prayer. The very idea seems audacious, revolutionary, full of wonder and mystery. An invitation to speak to God, to seek, to knock, to ask. Like a little child climbing into father's arms, prayer is an intimate and personal experience. It's about opening your heart to a loving God, a good father, the one who truly knows you and truly loves you. Prayer is trusting with your worries and fears, your hopes and dreams, your needs and desires. It's about carrying all life's burdens, big and small, before the throne of God and rest in the limitless peace of His extravagant grace. So pray without ceasing. Pray for each other as you would pray for yourself and praise Him for His faithfulness because there is power in prayer. So indeed, as I said, we are continuing with our series on prayer, being formed by presence. One of our individuals watching by live stream commented that my microphone was barely audible for them. I know it's plenty loud in here, but if we can bump it for the live stream, that'd be great. Also, um, check down in the uh, toolbar down below in your screen there's a icon for the ATIM uh, set up. And as you bring that up, there's a place where you can, we have some new equipment here today, just introduced. You can bring up the audio tab and that will give you faders within the software where you can adjust what's going out over the live stream. So it's the ATIM control panel. My wife is coming to join me, Nina, and she's going to help me manage the questions that we're asking you to engage us with this morning. So she always makes an entrance. It's, you know, it's kind of part of the deal, you know. She's been taught to make an entrance, yeah. <laughs> it just wouldn't be her if she weren't making an entrance. So, <laughs> hi. <laughs> I mean, w when I left this morning, you were in rags. <laughs> I, I mean, it just, yeah, fix that. No, we, we were getting ready, and I, I came early. I came to first service, so I, I left the house really Do you know how many morning. times you have fixed the microphone on me over the years when I'm speaking? Not a lot? <laughs> a whole lot. A whole lot. Yeah, okay, go ahead. No, I welcome that, because I don't want to look like a gooch. Yeah, last week it fell off my and was hanging down, and she said, I almost came up and fixed it. But, but he was on such a roll. The word was so good last week, and I didn't want to interrupt his train of thought. I thank you. I appreciate uh, the commentary and, and the encouragement. What is our question this morning? Well, our question this morning, let me remind everybody, in this series, last week we talked about acquisition or presence. So it's presence over obtaining. We don't look at prayer as a means to get 
God to do anything. It's really about spending time in fellowship and in his presence. And today, we are going to talk about does sin affect answers to prayer? All right? So, our question for this morning that we're inviting you to engage with us on is, which sins isolate you from God or prevent him from answering you? Okay, which sins isolate you from God, cause him to be distant, or prevent him from answering you? If you'd like to engage with us about that, you have feelings or experience or just a comment you want to make, text us at 720-878-3323, or, and you can do that here in the sanctuary, or for the live stream audience, chat with us, all right, in the chat window of the device where you're watching the live stream feed that you're watching us on. I'm not going to even begin to try to answer that question. Yeah, yeah, That's up to it's, anybody else. It's, it's kind of heavy, isn't it? Well, <clears throat> boy, this sounds, I sound very loud to me. Does it sound very loud to you? Boy, yeah, we got to favor the live stream audience, though. Okay. Okay, I know it looks like something's coming into you. I don't have anything on the chat yet. Those of you in the sanctuary, if you have a feeling or a thought, go ahead and... and text it uh, to us, or we can run the microphone over to you, okay? We have uh, your son-in-law. <laughs> My son-in-law. Your son-in-law. <laughs> All right, well, we'll make it scriptural. Uh, God opposes the proud. So pride is a sin that separates you from God and keeps him from answering your prayers, right? <laughs> right. Question okay. mark. Big question pride. mark. Pride. Pride. He had to be scriptural. He said pride. I know. Yeah. He said, said pride. I have, I have to be no, scriptural. Yes, I'm Pride. Not. There's a proverb. Talks about. No. It, or isn't it James or First Peter? Both. Okay. Both. Um, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. There's a couple different references on, on pride separating us from, from God. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I know. I know. Because my whole see, message is. Well, see, I, yeah. I can't say anything either because. And see, Debbie's over there <laughs> with her comments. Hold that. Here. Now, you've changed sides. Are you going? Okay. All right. You need to say zero. Zero. Not a, because even if we are in sin, he will put things in order to answer our prayers. So zero. And Pam's shaking her head like this. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and hold the microphone real close for everybody when you're letting them comment. Do you, do you want to give feedback on that? or? Um, I, let me just say that Kathy Randolph is telling us that the sound's not much better for her. And she has her computer at max. Did you find the ATEM <clears throat> software controller? Okay, and so anything you can do there to send it out over that a little brighter. And then turn it up as loud as you dare on the board for the, uh, for the live stream itself. We're trying, Kathy. Thanks for letting us know. Working on it. You know, I'm afraid that any comment I would make is just, I'm with her, zero. <laughs> so that's about it. <laughs> That's not the only comment I have. Zero things. Once again, just nothing. To nothing. So there isn't anything that isolates us from God or prevents him from answering our prayer is your point. Okay. Anybody, Anybody else? I, I do have something in our chat. 
Okay, let's okay. see. Go ahead. So Ralph from Switzerland says, all the sins that I have a bad conscience about, let me go back, all the sins that I have a bad conscience about and therefore run or hide from God in shame actually isolate me from God. But nothing prevents him from answering, just me from hearing. All right, everybody, let's sing a praise chorus and we'll get yeah, ready to yeah. go home. There's, thank you, Ralph. You just preached the sermon. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, yes, obviously, that's... So good. It, God never... You so know good. That, I you, think it's the chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> that he, he In needs Switzerland. He needs to send us some of that chocolate to us. You know that chairs... Um, yes, the, sermon, go the gospel according to chairs. The gospel according to chairs. How many of y'all have been here to see that? Oh, you'll have to do it sometime because most everybody here hasn't seen it yet. It's been a while since I've done it. But it's a wonderful illustration of how no matter what we do, God never leaves us nor forsakes us and is always right in there with us. Mm -hmm. So it's never about God being isolated from God in that sense. It's yeah. only what we do in our minds. Are we preaching your sermon? Okay, Jeff says, <laughs> Jeff says, None, because when we get saved and pray to God, we only have to say that we believe in God, not only have to say that we believe in God, not for him to forgive our sins. I'm not sure I read that right, clearly. Take a second run at it, Jeff. Yeah. Resend the text, okay? It, it, uh, it's a little confusing. Uh, grab a beer and then retext. <laughs> I'm just kidding, okay? It's because of our topic. I'm trying to have a little levity this morning. And Kathy did say the sound is, uh, is better. Good. Thank you, guys. Anything else anybody would like to say about the... Yes, Miss Mary. Mary? I, I used to feel the opposite, you know, that anything you did, you just, God would just walk away. He, he was gone and you were an orphan. You were, you know, you had to get him back and work hard. Yeah. But now I believe what Romans 8 says, you know, about, is it Romans 8, about nothing will separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Yeah. It says death, nor height, nor anything, anything. all those lists. Yeah. So what about that? You know, and the, and the great thing, the, the chapter, that's a tremendous chapter, one, I think maybe my favorite in the book of Romans, that in chapter 5. Chapter 8 begins with this. There is therefore now no condemnation, no judgment. You know, it's hard for us to grasp that when we live in a world of rules and laws. Yes. Of which, necessity. It, which we, is of necessity. An organized society mm -hmm. has to have mm -hmm. rules and mm -hmm. government and Unless so Unless we are ruled by God alone, we have to have rules which and government. Which in govern our present lifetime isn't, isn't, happening. isn't realistic. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. So because we live in that kind of a world, there are judgments. And so it's hard to figure out... Not to, how not to judge or be judged, and where is that right and where is that wrong? Yeah, and of course, mm -hmm. let me see if I have anything else. Well, Jeff, Jeff said uh, he loved the sermon, the chairs sermon. By the way, yeah, he's seen that more. I think more than once. I've, I think I've done it twice. I think, but you it's have. time to redo it. Yes, apparently, the gospel according to chairs.
I have no other. Nobody Anybody else? else? So once again, I'll restate the question. If you're thinking about it and want to text us, please, uh, 720-878-3323, or type your response in the chat window. Which sins isolate you from God or prevent him from answering you? Okay, we just had another one. Oh, thank you, Mary. Uh, this is from uh, Jack and Kathy. Thank you, Mary. That is one of, that's my favorite verse. I, too, believe the same. I think maybe we're done. Are we done? Yeah, you, get to, you actually get to time. preach. That's right. Do you know last week my sermon was 23 minutes long? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Like one of the and shortest she's cheering, ever. And she's cheering about that. And, and question and answer was about 21, 22. Yes. So, so if we kept uh, doing it, question and answer, his sermon would be short. And I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, see, the more questions you have or the more response you have, the shorter my sermon will be. But okay, everybody. Oh, I'm so delighted. I'm excited about this message. I really am. Okay. Oh, uh, Alora, we want to get yours in, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Alora, from the live stream. I was taught, she says, if you were in sin, God wouldn't hear your prayers. As a new believer, I feel differently about that. Hmm. Great, you're going to love this morning then, Alora, and thank you for joining us. She was on last week and said she really enjoyed the service and had a great time. So... We're going to return to our text, which is found in Matthew's Gospel. If you want to join me on your device or if you've brought your Bible, uh, turn with me and join me in Matthew's Gospel, the sixth chapter. I'll begin reading from verse 9. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, And pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Or in other words, that we have to achieve God's blessing. See, that's what he's getting at there. Any sense that I have to achieve, that there's something I have to do to deserve or to be good enough, that that anything I do gets me on God's good side is wrong. He says don't do that. That's what pagans do. They try to appease their gods. He says don't do that. Don't be like them. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So prayer and presence is all about relationship, not religion. It's it's not a form. It's not a formula. Anytime it digresses into being just a form or a formula, and you think that if I do this, then God will respond, that's religion. That's Phariseeism, all right? That's... It's not about obedience, it's about the Father's love for us. He says, pray to your Father. See, that's relationship. And Ralph, to your question last week, as I re-listened to my sermon, I don't think I did your question justice, and I said I was going to address it. So here was Ralph's question from last week. Why does prayer have to be openly expressed when God is within me? Well, let's look at Jesus' words. When you pray, 
go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who's unseen. He sees you in secret. So if you look at these words, these terms that Jesus is using, your room, the door, in secret, don't babble, what's he saying? Listening is the key. Listening is more important than talking. Now, he doesn't do away with talking because, after all, this is a conversation. I believe it's contemplative prayer that's truly formulative. I'm formed by his presence, not by lifting my request to him, necessarily. You understand. And so I mix them. There are requests and petitions and intercession, times that I'm asking him and I'm needing an answer, so I'm dialoguing with him. And then there's times where I'm contemplatively silent and just listening, just enjoying his presence. For me, I am more formed into his likeness by listening than talking. But talking is important because for me anyway, relationship is conversational. And for me, I enjoy acknowledging his presence. And so I want to talk. I, I want to say things outside of myself. Notice that Jesus admits that God already knows what you have need of, what you're going to ask. And so we asked last week the question, why ask then? Why pray? Just be silent. Don't even talk. There's not a need. And I gave you one word that to me tells us even though God already knows why it's important for us to pray. Does anybody remember? Partnership. Partnership. See, some people believe that everything in our life is already predetermined. It's called religious determinism, that all the results in your life, in your direction, in your path, is all set by God. And, and, and really, there's nothing you're going to do, including prayer, that's going to change that because God has predetermined everything. I reject that religious notion. I reject the idea of religious determinism. And I would be better known in my walk in theology as an open theist. An open theist believes that prayer changes things. Prayer changes me. That God is a God of possibilities and that he leaves possibilities open to me so that I might partner with him in seeing heaven brought to earth. So our question today that I want to specifically drill down on, not the question we posed earlier, but the question now that I'm asking all of you. Does your behavior impact whether or not God hears your prayers? Does the Bible address this directly? Or are we left to ourselves? Let's again turn. John's Gospel, chapter 9, join me there. John's Gospel, chapter 9. I'm going to first read this passage from the contemporary English version, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man who had been blind since birth. Jesus' disciples asked him, Teacher, why was this more man born blind? Was it because, notice this, was it because he or his parents sinned. See, that was a common thought in that day. 
It was very common in the Jewish mindset that something wrong in your life, your body, your mentality, your loss of finances, things not going well on your job, whatever, was a result of sin. And boy, we have carried that religious notion over into our theology and our doctrine and into our Christian practice today. Watch. Here's what Jesus said. No, it wasn't. It wasn't what? It wasn't due to sin. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. But because of his blindness, you will see God work a miracle for him. Wow, I love especially that translation of it. I think they get it really right from what I can see in the Greek and in the Aramaic. Here is the message translation of that final verse, verse 3. You are asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God is going to do. Isn't that great? Thank you, message translation. Who wrote that? Do you remember? Peterson, yes. Peterson, a pastor for many decades and translated the Bible and uh, renowned, renowned man of God and theologian and pastor, Peterson, who has since passed away. Now, watch this verse. This verse used to make me mad. I used to have to find ways in my theology to teach around it and try to explain it. But quite simply, it means what it says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. Then you will be acting like your Father in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both good and bad people. He sends rain for the ones who do right and for the ones who do wrong. Could it be any clearer? God blesses people, as I said last week, not because of our obedience, but because he's a good God. He's a loving father. You see, when you live by law, when you live by Old Testament rule and regulation, when you live with religious notions based on obedience and therefore blessing, it becomes death to you. And Paul deals with this in Romans. Does your behavior impact whether or not God hears your prayers? People who only care about just and unjust, doctrinal purity, and lists instead of relationship are unfortunately bound by and blind to religion, operating in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, I was raised in a church and with a theology that was all about lists, correct doctrine, doctrinal purity, and right and wrong, just unjust, who's in, who's out. And boy, when Jesus says, look, we need to act you need to act like your father in heaven because he makes sunrise, the sunrise on good and evil. He makes rain for the ones who do what is right and he causes it to rain for the one, ones who don't do right, who don't do good, 
who don't think good thoughts, who don't act well. In other words, he just loves people and his blessings are not tied to your obedience or to your correct believing or to your lists of right and wrong. In Jesus, we're to be delivered. He wants to deliver us from that dualism of life that I have my secular life here and I have my spiritual life here. I have the things that are just here and I have the things that are unjust that I'm working on to change. Really, that's why I asked the question, which sin causes you to be separated from God? At what level? Is it, is it murder? Oh, I mean, if you murder somebody, you're definitely going to be separated from, well, you might be separated, all right, into a jail cell, or your life taken and ended on this planet. As a result, you know, sin has consequences, uh, and, and it should. Judgment is self-activated. Do you understand that? Judgment is self-activated. God does not have to issue edicts of judgment. Judgment is self-activated, all right? There, there's a law on the earth of sowing and reaping and that I reap the things that I sow and that's not God standing there with a stick meeting out judgment for the things that I do, keeping lists of what I've done wrong. But if I am constantly aware and this is where Adam and Eve fell, keep in mind, the tree of the knowledge of what? Help me. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not the tree of the knowledge of evil. We tend to think, ooh, they shouldn't have eaten of that bad tree. Now, wait a minute. It's not the tree of the knowledge of evil. It's the tree of the knowledge of good as much as it is the tree of the knowledge of evil. What's he talking about? Living out of just, unjust, we, they, therein, this group is out. And the list, the constant, continual moral list that what I do affects whether or not God is going to be present and bless me. Recently, I was contacted by email by somebody who had obviously been to our website I'm sure what they thought as they looked for our doctrinal statement, and there wasn't one, but we do have a page where it talks about four or five of our core beliefs, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I think that they thought, well, that was just too minimalist. And so they wrote and they said, what do you believe? What is your doctrinal statement? (laughs) Well, I did respond, and I said... Um, I'd be happy to meet with you and discuss any of your questions and respond to you and tell you more of the things that, that we believe. I said, in my experience, those who lead with that question, what do you believe? What's your doctrinal statement? They're bound up in right and wrong, knowledge of good and evil, What's right, what's wrong, who's in, who's not? And God does not judge that way. He gives rain to the bad as well as the good. He opens the heaven for everybody. 
So, Jesus, this man that was born blind, what was the cause? Jesus says, you're asking the wrong question. There's no cause and effect here. Do not look at people with cause and effect. Do not look people with eyes of judgment. You're in, you're out. You believe correctly, you don't believe correctly. Don't look at people out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I've done away with all of that, he says, and I've brought you into relationship with the Father through nothing you've done personally. I've brought you into relationship with the Father because he loves you and because of what I did for you when I died and conquered death and conquered sin. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. Look here, verse 23 through 27. One Sabbath, Jesus and his disciples were walking through some wheat fields. His disciples were picking grains of wheat as they went along, and some of the Pharisees asked Jesus, why are your disciples picking grain on the Sabbath? They are not supposed to do that. They are not supposed to do that. So here, this little band of Pharisees are trailing along, watching and trying to catch Jesus or his disciples doing anything contrary to the law. Do you have anybody in your life like that? Are you like that, where you're always trying to catch this group of people or this person, this individual, doing something wrong? See if they're meeting the requirements of your lists. You might be a Pharisee. They do have relatives, by the way. The, the Pharisees <laughs> that we read about here. Some Pharisees asked Jesus, why are your disciples picking green on the Sabbath? They're not supposed to do that. And Jesus answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his followers were hungry and in need? It was during the time of Abathar, the high priest. David went right into the house of God. He ate the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his followers. And Jesus finished by saying, people were not made for the good of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for the good of people. Every rule, every policy, every law, everything we read in Scripture about behavior and how to live correctly is governed by a higher rule called love and that God does these things not when when he says I hate divorce isn't this interesting I was thinking about this he says I hate divorce he there's nowhere in scripture where it says he hates this particular sexual sin that led to the divorce there's nothing in scripture that says he hates I mean with those words that he hates those arguments about money or about the children, or your disagreement about politics. But it does say he hates divorce. Not the things that lead to it, but the finality of it. Isn't that interesting? You know why? Because divorce is never a clean cut. It's always a rending tear. And when Jesus said, 
If a man puts away his wife, he causes her to commit adultery. That has always frustrated me. How can a man put away his wife? Maybe she's completely clean, innocent. She didn't want the divorce. She hasn't been lusting for other men, hasn't been fornicating. But he puts her away. It says he causes her to commit adultery. Jesus wasn't talking about physical fornication there. He was talking about spiritual apostasy from God. Did you know Jesus divorced Israel? Excuse me, God divorced Israel, the scripture says, in the Old Testament. You see, a d- a divorce is, is never a clean cut. It's always a rending tear. The reason a man can put away his wife and cause her to commit adultery is because many who go through the unfortunate circumstances of divorce leave their faith in Christ because it's such a rending tear and it it destroys our spiritual life so often for so many. It doesn't have to, but it can. And there's a way back. But he says, I hate this sin. I hate it because of what it does in causing you to leave your faith and think that I don't love you anymore because you left your spouse. You know, for a long time, divorce was the unpardonable sin in the church. And it was largely based on that verse. God hates divorce. Well, what about all the other things that God hates? Does he hate you stealing? Does he hate you yelling at your spouse? Does he, does he hate, you know, I mean, get the list out, whatever it is. We're going to see in a moment that he doesn't make those lists. God doesn't keep lists. He doesn't have any. You do, I do, but he doesn't. And so he says, look, guys, anything, anytime that you read that has to do with moral behavior or a list or an injunction is because God is trying to preserve you from the pain. God is trying to preserve your life and lift you higher and encourage you to live your best life right now. He's not after you because of the sin you do. And he certainly wouldn't leave you and stop answering your prayers because of sin in your life. I love this by Brian Zahn. Quote, the question isn't, is it biblical? Excuse me. The question isn't, is it biblical? Wars of conquest, the institution of slavery, death sentence for adultery, and women as property are all biblical. The question is, is it Christ-like? Isn't that powerful? Dear ones, Whenever I'm asked, well, can you prove that in the Bible? I know that I'm dealing with somebody who's steeped in and caught up and bound by religion. And it's just not, it's probably not even a good time to talk yet. Until there's further work where the Holy Spirit opens your heart and you can get past the lead question of being, what do you believe? What lists do you follow? Is there any sin in your life? It's going to be hard for me to have a, question, a, a, a time of fellowship with you or a viable conversation with you at that point. The question isn't, is it biblical? 
Why? Why do we not lead with that question? Because frankly, you can prove wars of conquest, you can prove slavery, you can prove a death sentence for adultery, you can prove that women are property, all from the Bible. Stop it. You are going to get yourself in trouble reading the Bible with the wrong pair of lenses on. The question is, is it Christ-like? Everything I read in the Bible is judged through Jesus Christ. He puts his own self and his own teaching above the teaching of the Bible. I don't have time to go into all of that. I've taught on it before. But this is why Jesus said, you've heard it said, but I say to you. The moment he said, but I say to you, when he quotes or says, you've heard it said, he's referring to the Bible, their Bible at that time. You've heard it said, but I say to you, he is saying, my word supersedes your scriptures. Well, I don't know if you're listening. I just gave you a principle that will absolutely set you free. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 56. The strength of sin is the law. Did you know the more you study the Bible with the lenses of legalism and law, we and they, knowledge of good and evil, the more you will get bound up in your own sin. Reading the Bible does not set you free of sin. Might be a good place to return to. I don't know. Maybe in another series. or Romans chapter 4 verse 15. Look at this. From the Good News Testament says this. The law brings down God's anger. But where there is no law, there's no disobeying the law. The Holman Christian Study Bible says that verse this way. Translates it this way. For the law produces wrath. And where there is no law, there's no transgression. God delivers you from sin consciousness. Stop thinking about lists and groups and teams and who's in, who's out, whether you've met God's approval and so he'll answer whether you've prayed enough or had enough people praying. Stop it. Stop it right now because none of that has anything to do with God answering your prayer. Did you know that sin is geographical? I'll tell you a quick story. Some years ago, Nina and I traveled to Europe with a good friend of ours, a minister of a very large church who was part of a very large ministerial organization in Europe, one of the, one of the largest ever. Hundreds and hundreds of churches, thousands of ministers all under this big organization. And they were having their annual big camp meeting, all right? So they met at this location. Everybody drove up in their cars, and it was a huge tent complex. 10,000 people. I'm invited by my friend to come join the rest of the ministers behind the dais in the, quote, green room prior to the service starting. Everybody's walking around and praying and lifting hands and singing. And, and I look over and against this wall right here is a spread of liquor. Beer, wine. 
Some ministers are drinking a beer. And I thought, oh no. Now, please understand, first of all, this is my pastor that took me to this camp meeting. And then the pastor there is one of like his pastors and is internationally known by hundreds and thousands of churches and ministers. And in the green room before service is a spread against the whole back wall of liquor. That's when I realized it dawned on me. Some sins are geographical. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Dear one, nothing you can do will ever take you out of presence. Nothing you can ever do will take you out of presence. You know I'm fond of uh, many of the writings of Richard Rohr and I've been quoting him recently in recent months. I'm going to again today end our session with a quote by Richard. And I quote, The absolute religious genius of Jesus is that he utterly refuses all debt codes, purity codes, religious quarantines, and the searching for sinners. He refuses to divide the world into the pure and the impure, much to the chagrin of almost everybody, then and now. And I say amen. That is so true. Jesus just doesn't go there. We're going to pray in just a minute. But before we do, we're going to serve communion. I hope you've prepared yours in the live stream audience. If you haven't yet, go get it. The elements that you need to receive communion together. We're going to have a little music in the background there for you. And while we do, then I'm going to invite you to enter more of a contemplative time. generous with that please live stream audience I, I just had an overwhelming sense of love and that I wanted to say to you I love you Nina and I are so encouraged each week that you watch every once in a while we'll go back through the 
statistics, the analysis that is available to us electronically. And we can't see names, we can't see houses, but we can see areas. You know, we can see the Denver area. Ralph, we can see, you know, Switzerland, that, that somebody from Switzerland is watching, so on and so forth. We have people from really around the world that have watched this broadcast. Some of you don't have a consistent church home, a place that you can call home. And when I say church, I don't mean a building. I mean a community of people that you belong to, that you can be real with, let your hair down with, and do things like blow up the worship service and, <laughs> and laugh and stop and joke and have fun with it. I would have, I, in no church I've ever been in in the past would have been as honest and transparent with their in front presence of all of you as Matt, our worship leader, is. That he just had that awareness and that, it, that he had that okayness tells me that he's really centered in himself and in who Jesus is. And I want you to have that kind of community. And if you're local to the Denver Metroplex and you're not part of a community like that, that's sharing this kind of life-giving message about inclusion and the incarnation of Jesus and your identity and who you are, I'm going to invite you to at least try Genesis Gathering for a couple of weeks. Then you can make a decision. Give it a try watch and it's, it's different than just watching there's a whole different thing going on inside that uh, I want you to avail yourself of so I invite you to come those of you in the live stream audience and uh, Ralph you'll just have to fly here sometime okay yeah let's bring the prayer in first the request okay if any of you do have any further prayer requests, you can still text me and I'll pick them up. But uh, let me start with, um, of course, we always want to keep Ukraine in prayer and the Marshall Fire victims who are still dealing with that situation. Um, so we've been praying for um, Kathy's daughter who had her surgery this week on the lump on her neck and the surgery went well they won't have a report back for about a week but so we're keeping her in prayer and um, Cindy's father pastor stepfather passed away this week and Mary's friend Jackie passed away friend and family member we want to keep those families and friends in prayer uh, we pray for this is my cousin Vincent prostate cancer for Claudio uh, Leroy from Bingo, his son-in-law um, had a stroke last week and then went into surgery. The surgery went well. For Ryan and Shriners Hospital is in critical condition from a bonfire accident. A friend and co-worker of Brad has had many losses in his family and illness and injury due to a car accident. Uh, we're praying for Jack Randolph this morning. And Barb's mother fell, Barb's 90-plus <laughs> mother fell the other night and has got a deep gash in her head. And, you know, she and her husband are adjusting to living in uh, a memory care facility as it is. So that's a lot going on there. So those are the prayer requests 
that I have right now that we want to pray for. Okay. If you would take the bread, and what I want you to realize about this special... Did you just share yours with me? Yeah, I certainly... Thank you. What I want you to recognize about this is that Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. He didn't call it a symbol. We do. And and the reason I say this, I, I know that there are groups of Christians who believe in a transfiguration and that there's there's another word for that, trans... Transubstantiation. Where it becomes, it turns literally into the body of Christ. Here's what I believe, is that God in His love and in response to our just our openness can supernaturally, literally supernaturally do something in my life as I reach by faith and open my heart for a new horizon for all that he has for us. This represents his broken body, his cruciform love. We've been talking about love. It's the cruciform love of God that he laid down his life for us. And so in whatever way you need healing or financial deliverance or you need an answer to prayer, let's believe that supernaturally it's just being released. It's not that God's been withholding it, but I'm going to become more aware and I'm going to respond to the circumstances that are necessary to get under the spout where the glory runs out, as the old Pentecostals used to say because God is doing something supernatural right now that I'm releasing him to do. Let's take and eat the body of the Lord. And after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And actually my cup is covered with aluminum and it's it's really working on it that'll be enough to get it out careful it's open um, I'm going to do my own here wow I don't know if these are getting old or if they're or we just got a batch here yeah <laughs> okay so so as part of communion now, we just, we're having fellowship here, all right? We're being real. We don't stop being authentic. From the, from the side seats, when I said, it, maybe it's old, my daughter said, or maybe you're getting old. Father, I forgive her, for she knows not what she just said, how she hurt me, wounded me. Jesus said, this is my blood. You do this as you take it in remembrance of me. This too, I believe, is more than just a symbol as we take it now. Let's believe that supernaturally things are being released in our community with one another. If you've not been enjoying community, I'm praying that in the taking of this blood that you will have a new sense and awareness of fellow Christians and that you will just become alive in your church community like never before. The the blood of Christ.
we want to add to the prayers list. Um, Kathy contacted us here for her daughter Jennifer, had a recent blood test. Her platelets are elevated, and she's been referred to a hematologist. So do you want me to just uh, go ahead and pray, and then I do. pray that prayer? Yeah. Oh, okay. After that song we sang today, Matt, uh, I was reminded of David and Goliath. And, of course, we all know that story, how just little old David and great big old Goliath, and how could David possibly, all the army of Israel was afraid of of the, the Philistines and, uh, and and they were trembling and they weren't about to go out there against this giant Goliath and little David with his five, was it five stones and his slingshot went out but because he knew the Lord was with him so once again as we face the giants of these prayer requests we thank you Lord that you are with each of these people and we're asking you Father to intervene to heal and deliver, to bring peace that passes understanding, to keep people's hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We pray for a way of escape for those who need it, especially in Ukraine. <laughs> the, way, the ways of escape, Lord, from the horrors that they are facing. We pray ahead of time for the healing of their hearts as they grieve such a great, great loss that they are facing. We thank you, sweet Lord, that nothing is too difficult for you. We pray that each one that we have prayed for would know you and the power of your resurrection, that they would sense your presence, hear your voice, in regards to their situation and find hope in this time in their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and take care of the announcements and I'll close with okay. this corporate prayer. Hey, um, well, we have one announcement that we have a slide for on the Lutheran uh, response relief response if you're wanting to contribute to the ukraine situation and want a trustworthy source of where to contribute um, as i understand it because of the lutheran organization i believe 100 percent of what you give will actually go towards wherever you designate it to go on the back table here there are flyers so that you can get know where to go on the website if you're listening um, via live stream you can contact my phone number or contact us on Genesis and ask for the information give us your email and we'll send it to you we don't have a slide for our Easter food boxes it kind of got lost I guess since last week uh, but we are doing Easter food bo boxes along with St. John's and we're asking for contributions of food or finances to help provide for food boxes for those who need it. If you know a family who does need a food box, you can let me know that. We'll get them on the list of who will do that, who will uh, receive a food box that will need your help to deliver it to the family that you recommend. Um, but we're happy to provide a food box for that. Um, also, we sent out a survey last Sunday late. We would love to hear what you have to say about Genesis Gathering and get your ideas, get your thoughts. Um, I want to let you know it might have gone to your junk mail. When, I, when we send it out through our database, 
I know mine goes to my junk mail and I need to get it set so it quits doing that. But it reminds me to tell you, check your junk mail if you haven't seen the survey, if you're on our list with your email address. If you're not on our list with our email address, hopefully by next week we will, if you're here in the sanctuary, we'll bring some printed surveys that you could fill out. Just takes a few minutes and we'd appreciate your feedback. Uh, we're kind of hoping to get this done by the end of March, I believe, yep, so that I think next Sunday is maybe our life, if I'm thinking correctly, so we'll bring a printed form for any of you who are here. Again, if you can't find it in your email and you're going, well, I'd love to participate, where is it? text me, whatever, we'll get that straightened out for you. Thanks so much. I don't know if you know, but yeah sanctuary today uh -huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I bet we'll, we'll work on that yep. it's right on the live stream i know that yeah, there's that a little bit say. of a lip sync that's off on the screen in yeah, here but yeah. okay so we we are aware of that and we apologize but you should be watching us not paying attention to the screen <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding He's just so kidding. now i want to end with a prayer but what listen to this listen to this this one just came in through the chat this is from alora she says thank you for this amazing message I could truly feel the presence of God. God is using this church in such an impactful way. We send you all lots of love from Argentina. Thank you for what you do. Alora, you just made our week. Oh, that's tremendous. We love you too. We hope you're able to keep watching and we'll share the link with some friends and family, okay? Let's pray our prayer here before we have the closing uh, video. And uh, you'll be released at the end of this prayer. Yeah. Here's our corporate prayer. If everybody would uh, be willing to, let's stand. Let's stand and pray. Been seated for a while. All right, everybody, you ready? Let's read together. Lord, place us in the text of scripture rather than the certainty of a constitution. Open our eyes to see the conversation, the story, the predicament, the spirit, and the incredible community of people who keep bumping into the living God. May we be a people who, even in the midst of experiencing setbacks, disappointment, and messiness, are best of all a people who are growing in trust of Jesus and one another. Cause us to see what you see, to feel what you feel about your church. Increase our faith that we can be part of making a difference, even starting anew. I bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you next week.